Hawk Talk is brought to you in part by the Monmouth Medical Center and RWJ Barnabas Health Facility and a recognized leader in patient safety and clinical quality. For more information about services close to you, visit rwjbh.org slash Monmouth. Let's be healthy together. You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. And here are your hosts, Greg Viscomi and Gary Kowal. Well, Gary, um, it's been a week. We didn't do one last week. And, um, I do I do hear it sometimes when we do ones, but it's not because we don't like doing it. Just because uh, one or the both of us is running around. Yeah, it's a crazy... Uh... It's a crazy time. Spring sports started this weekend. This is uh, what we call crossover time. So it's been yeah. a little, little, little busy. It's always a lot of fun um, when you're loaded up with outdoor spring sports at home, and then you're also getting ready for basketball games. But uh, that that is what it is. I've I've spoke about how you know I've been doing this for twenty something years, and I just feel like the spring sports start earlier and earlier every year. And earlier. But to be fair, and so- the, when the fall sports do too. Right, and so do the ba- so does basketball, and so does basketball. I'm pretty sure the NCAA at some point is just going to throw their hands up and say, "You can have as many coaches as you'd like, and play you, whenever you and want. You can play whenever you want, starting August one for basketball, because for whatever reason they are beholden." Um, but anyway, it's all good. It, it's good stuff because uh, anytime I start to get bummed out about it, I think about two years ago and when we were sitting at home doing a whole lot of nothing and how much that stunk. Uh, certainly not what either one of us or anybody gets into this business for. Um, today on Hawk Talk, we have uh, an awesome guest uh, who has provided other awesome guests. So we, <laughs> we thought it was a good time to give him his due. Uh, we are also uh, going to cover a hot topic in flow sports. Uh, you know, flow sports and, and, and the CAA just re-signed their deal. Um, very polarizing uh, conversations. Um, I, get believe, I guess on Twitter, which is... Just the, def- the topic of polarizing conversations is Twitter. Right, it's right, the, is the Twitter. Hub. That's the hub. And, I, and I, you know, I am a, a Twitter lover, and Elon Musk is just driving it into the dirt, yeah. and it makes me sad. Yep. Uh, but anyway, so we will get to that after our guest, today's guest, um, the head coach of the Monmouth University cross-country uh, and indoor and outdoor uh, track and field teams, Mike Nelson. Mike, thank you for taking time. Uh, and we... we have been trying to get you on for a couple of weeks and then like things didn't work out or we had a different timely guest. And then, and then I'm like, Oh crap. We're, we're asking a coach to come on while he's getting ready for the indoor championship. So I do appreciate you giving us an hour and a week in which you're gearing up for the CAs. No problem at all. Thanks for having me on. <clears throat> We've talked at length on, around the department on this podcast on pretty much everywhere interviews, everything that we've done about the move to the CAA. Right. And, and you, come in from a, a lot of success in the Mac. Um, and I think one of the things we've talked about a lot, especially, you know, internally is like our track and field teams have always been wildly successful. Um, and it's like a new challenge, right? Going to the CAA. Do you kind of see it like that? Or is that, is that, uh, you know, not as important to you? Is it something we talk about that you don't see as a coach or? No, I think you're spot on. I think this is um, definitely a step up in competition. I, I would say that the CAA in terms of a mid-major track and field conference is one of the best, if not the best, in the country. Uh, it's a very, very strong 
track and field conference with some athletes that are ranked really high in the NCAA in their individual events. So it's going to be a tremendous challenge, and we were ready for it. We we wanted this. Uh, when I heard about this move to the CAA, I was excited, and I know several of the student athletes were excited. Winning MAC titles was wonderful, but I think we want to take it to the next level, and the CAA provides an excellent opportunity to do that. What makes the CAA, for, for people that don't know or people that are outside of college athletics that just follow it from a point of, hey, I know track and field's had a lot of success in the MAC. what makes the CAA so much better? So I'll just start off with, you know, I don't know uh, every sport in the CAA and their competitive, their competitive level on a national scale, but you have a team in the CAA that finished second in the nation last year, and that's in track and field. So the national title in men's indoor track and field came down to the 4 by 4 the last event, where it was Texas and North Carolina A&T. <laughs> Whoever beat who on that 4 by 4 was going to win the national title. And we'll go up against them here in two days. And so that's what I mean. You had... Uh, High level. <laughs> at, at one point, uh, they had a guy, you know, this was last year, Randolph Ross, who was the number one 400-meter runner in the world. In, in the at North Carolina A&T. And so he is not there anymore, but um, that's the sort of level that we're talking about. We're talking about national level athletes. And it's, like I said, it's going to be a challenge and we're really looking forward to it. I think, I think that's something to really pound home too, it, it, to, to the people listening is that I don't want anybody to think like, Oh, we, we've taken Monmouth track and field for granted for so long that they were just going to go out and win. And, you know, there's been some, I don't even want to call them slip-ups. Other teams have won by a slim margin. I think in my 16 years here, maybe twice for both indoor and outdoor, twice another team has won. Uh, but don't take it for granted. I mean, like, this was a good league already. And then they bring in <laughs> North Carolina A&T. And I'm sure there are t- other coaches in the track and field world that are saying this was a good league already, and now they bring in Mammoth. Um, I think we've earned that respect. Our, you know, our throwers have earned that respect. Uh, our some of our sprinters have earned that respect. You know, our middle distance over the last five years have earned some of that respect. So, uh, good conference already, and then brings in now who like is Hampton. Uh, you know, I another HBCU, which are you know, I don't want to sound like a jerk here, but are, are historically pretty good at track and field. I mean, they have really good track athletes. Uh, Enfield, you know, if you're talking sprints and, and already talking jumps and, and, and whatnot, it, does Hampton bring another level of channel, another level to, to the table? Absolutely. So, you know, North Carolina A&T, obviously they've had a lot of success recently. Hampton is very good. They're one of the top-ranked teams. Also, Northeastern is uh, okay. very good. They have a lot of great athletes sort of top to bottom. Uh, they're well-rounded. Elon is also very good. They're very dominant uh, in some of the events, particularly uh, women's distance running. Elon won the uh, CAA Conference cross-country title, and uh, they'll they'll really be strong in the mile, the 3K and the 5K and things like that. So, yeah, it's there's just a lot of teams, too. You know, with the MAC, I believe there were eight teams that participated indoors and nine outdoors, I believe. Um, this year in the CAA, there are eight men's teams and 12 women's teams. And next year, there'll be 13 with the addition of Campbell. So when you're talking about 12 and 13 teams at a meet, just 
the number of teams. It's almost like a large invitational. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have the top level athletes, but it's going to be hard to score just a single point to get eighth, you know, which gets one point or seventh, which gets two points. Just with the level of uh, just the number of teams, I should say, you know, in, in a lot of conferences, if, if there's eight teams, then everyone who runs the four by four at least scores a point. Right. It's not going to be like that. Right. You know, you've got to get in there and compete even in the relays just to get a single point. So, yeah, that's what the CA is uh, is going to look like. You obviously have a, a roster filled with upperclassmen that have been through the MAC, right? And they're they're um, accustomed to success, right? They they have a lot of championships under their under their belts, and they've been used to winning conference championships. Um, obviously, that's the 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 goal this week, right? Is to go try to win a conference championship. What's the message to them as far as um, you know the kids that have been here, like why this is different or um, is there a different mindset, and different approach to this week? I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, we've obviously been talking a lot about conference as we go throughout the season. This is the one, obviously, we really gear up for. But, you know, we, we'll have a big team meeting before uh, tomorrow night, you know, before the meet. Well, what's the message that you're trying to share with these student athletes? Is it the, the rah-rah, I'm going to kick a table over and get everybody fired up? <laughs> I, I tend not to be that way. I tend to be I can see that. very process-oriented. <laughs> Well, and here's the thing. We're going to kick a table over. We're going to get super emotional. The track meets like 13 hours, you know? <laughs> right. In fact, I think it's longer than that. I think right. that's underestimate. The so table kick doesn't have the effect you, of hour 12. Not, that right. it yeah, you're not one. running at, a, at a, a tunnel and jumping on the field. Right. You only, um, you know, you only have so much emotional energy. And so you have to spread that emotional energy. This is the message I'll share with them is that you have – you have to spread that emotional energy over the course of two full days, six to eight hours, whatever it is, per day. A lot of the athletes are in three events, four events, five events, uh, and we have the combined events now, the, hep, the heptathlon, mm-hmm. the pentathlon. So the message is process, and don't focus on winning. Focus on the process, and what do I need to do to get to that next stage? What do I need to do in this race to make the final? What do I need to do in this throw or this jump to be in the top nine to get to that final? And you just take it one jump at a time, one throw at a time, one race at a time. We can't focus on the four by eight or the four by four. We got three other races to get through before we get there. So take it one race at a time. You add up all the points as you go. And hopefully, you know, you're looking good by the end of it all. I I think you brought up a really good point that not a lot of people know about. Um, we have athletes that are going to run in three, four, up to five events. Uh, how do you, how do they get ready for, for that? Like you can't, you put all your effort into whatever, the first event, and then your second event could be an hour later. Uh, you know, what is the message to those and how do you manage that as a staff? How do you manage those, those athletes that have to compete in multiple events and important events? You know, and I think that starts years ago with training. That even started in high school with their with their training and their preparation and, and all the strength and conditioning that they do. And then the mental fortitude to be able to last, you know, through the rounds and, and get to that point. Um, but it, it, it is a case-by-case basis. And, you know, to to run, you know, the 60 and the 200 and, and then try to come back. You know, one of the things that people mistake is that if it's a shorter race, like somehow it's like, less hard on, mm-hmm. on you or less mentally hard when that's couldn't be any further from the truth. They're all hard. The 60 meter is very hard on your body and it's very tough mentally. Uh, the 5k is 
Same thing. And those 5K Dude. athletes are all coming back in the 3K the next day. So they will be racing 40 laps around mm. the track. But even if you're racing just down the straightaway, that's difficult too. And and the training and the preparation uh, that goes into that, it, it starts a long time ago. And a lot of them know that they're going to double and triple. And so, you know, I guess if we're talking a little bit more about some of the middle distance or longer distance races, but maybe specifically the middle distance, you're trying to get through that first round as easily as possible. Mm -hmm. If you know that it's top three uh, in each heat and next three fastest, you don't have to win the race. You just need to be th third is as good as winning. Right. And then, you know, you, you get in, into that final and then away you go. The middle distances in particular are a little bit strange because it's sort of a different mindset. Every race you've run this year you've gone all out. Now all of a sudden we're saying you don't need to go all, all right, out. Right, just get third. Yeah, just get there, you know. So that's that's a little bit of a of a mindset change all of a sudden. Uh, and again, a lot of them have had practice with that. So, you know, they're 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 prepared, but nothing can totally prepare you, you know, for the heat of the moment, you know. You you got to be savvy and hopefully your training is is where you want it to be. I I worked with track when I first started working at Monmouth and, and I've been around track meets and indoor and outdoor and, and all that. Um, I'm curious as to, as a head coach, um, and I obviously worked with, with coach Compagni back in the day. And um, I don't know if you have a different approach to him, but when you're at a, a conference meet like this and there's so much going on, right? Like you said, it's 12, 13 hours. There's a bunch of events simultaneously. Um, you obviously have your, your staff that's working with their, their groups, but how do you as a head coach balance the, you know, I'm going to be here and then I got to run over to, to this event and then I got to try to get back. And, you know, how do you kind of balance the day? Yeah. And that's, that is a tough task because they're, you don't want kids to think you're not watching their right. events. And, right. right. There's right. so many, there's so many things all going. It literally is a circus. There's so many <laughs> things going on, but no, I try to spend some time at each of the venues. I never really just sit and relax. I'm, you know, okay, the men's weight throw is going on. We're going to go over and spend some time there, check in with them, give them a high five, good luck, maybe watch a throw or two from them. Okay, the 60 meters starting, you know, really want to be there, probably up in the stands watching that one. Um, okay, some of the athletes that I directly coach, they're competing, you know, be, be there for them an hour beforehand, giving them a little bit of advice. But there is a, a bit of a hands-off mentality. You know, we've trained them for this. I'm almost less stressed at the meet than I am the days leading up to the meet because you're constantly working to put the student athlete in a position to be successful. Do they have the proper meals? Uh, do they have the water that they need? Are they at the meet on time? You know, are they in the right uniform? All these little things that go into it. And if I've done a, a good job with all of that stuff, hey, then the rest is up to them. It's almost like once you get there, like there's yeah. nothing else I can do. Hey, when that like, gun goes go off, compete. <laughs> there's no timeouts. Right. You know, there's no timeouts. You can't call it back. You know, um, if things start to go wrong, you just got to adjust and do the best you can. But yeah, what I, I've always said this, like the least stressful time is when I'm at the meet and, and we're directly in the heat of the battle because I, I really like track and field. Um, but the hotel rooms and the rooming lists and the <laughs> sure. going to the grocery store sure. and where we eat lunch and you got to feed 70 people, that is the stress. The track meet's fun. You know, that's what people on the I think on the outside with all of our sports don't understand. Like coaching is like this small percentage of what you actually do with all the other logistical things and all that that goes into it. But I would think on the same token there, it's got to be exciting for for you. Like, hey, I 
I just watched the beginning of the weight throw, and then I had to run over here. But one of my coaches came over and whispered at me, like, oh, so-and-so won the weight throw. Like, that's got to be exciting for you. There's constantly something happening, and, and you guys are winning or, or having success that you might not even see, but you're getting these updates, and that's got to be an exciting part of it. Yeah, so one of the things that we'll do later this afternoon, so the entries for the meet are due at noon today, so here in just a few minutes. So the entries are <laughs> we'll due. We'll get you out of here. <laughs> Make no, sure no, take care of. It, it, again, the stressful part is who do you enter? <laughs> that Once the entries are out, it's like, oh, this is kind of fun and exciting to look at, but the the performance list will come out. So who's actually entered in in the events? You know, you, you kind of have an idea, but you don't know if somebody from another school is injured or right. who's going to do an event that, that is not listed currently in the performance list. So the performance list comes out, and you go through it, and you score you score the meet, you know. And that's always really fun. We'll, we'll have a sort of a... a a list of, of each event and what it's what the breakdown is and what it's going to look like. And then as you go throughout the meet, okay, hey, we were projected maybe to score six points in that event, and we got eight. Okay, great. That's awesome. You right? know? And so you're keeping score. I wish – I guess some places, some conferences, or some meets have ways of doing this on the scoreboard, but most of us coaches really are just walking around with that <laughs> sheet, you know, going, hey – you know, we got eight in that event, and we pro- we were projected four. That's great. We just doubled our, our point total, and and the other team that we're fighting against, you know, they were projected this, and then they got that. You know, so uh, so that's really exciting. You know, as you walk around a conference meet with that score sheet, and and that's one of the uh, fun things I really enjoy. But yeah, you, you know, you're kind of running around to each event and trying to keep track of what's going on, and you got a group text with your coaches, and okay, so Mujib just. Threw a bomb in the weight throw, and <laughs> and um, you know one of the vaulters just set a new PR, and is you know we, we didn't even project them to score, but now they're going to get at least six. They're you know something like that. So we we try to stay up to date, you know, as much as possible. So I was just hunting around, seeing if the the I thought the maybe the outdoors were on flow. Um, I don't know if they're doing the indoors on on flow sports, but. Uh, this is the first year that the CAA is going to host an indoor track and field championship. So prior to this year, w- was it just a situation where you had to qualify in some other meet in order to make the NCAAs? Yeah, so they did not have an indoor championships before this year. So this is the inaugural CAA indoor championships. Now, why that was, I, I really don't know. H- history of the conference and teams coming and going. Uh, they had an outdoor championship. Uh, but last year, I believe there was only four or five men's programs. Uh, but, you know, when a program like Monmouth and when a program like North Carolina A&T and Hampton and, and, and those kind of schools come into the conference, it was great to see them add this championship because that would have been a tremendous sure. uh, negative for our student athletes. And and when, when this happened uh, that day, when there was uh, the zoom meeting with Jeff and we got the announcement, hey, this is wonderful. Hey Jeff, uh, you know, they don't have a CAA indoor championship. <laughs> uh, that's gotta be a top priority. I hope, you know, because you know, we're literally losing a championship if, if uh, that doesn't happen. And so that was my main concern. And then, you know, we got the news that, Hey, for sure it was going to happen. Okay, where's it going to be? And honestly, the CAA has done an excellent job of ad- administering this meet. I'm sure there'll there'll be, you know, a few little changes here and there in the future, but uh, they've done a great job, and you know, I think it's going to be a fantastic meet. Yeah, and that meet will be at the Virginia Beach Sports Center, uh, kind of you know down in 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 that Hampton area, Virginia Beach Hampton area. So, uh, 
you have one of the things that that we joke about, but you have given us uh, ideas for two of our best guests ever in in Tennessee Tremaine and uh, Dalton Eust. Uh I saw both of those guys had very have had very successful indoors, but Dalton specifically has now set the indoor pole vault mammoth record twice. Uh, do you have any good stories about recruiting him? Or I mean, he told us his side of it, but but both of those guys, but really Dalton, just because he's been on fire lately, uh, and he's just a different guy in a great way, in a good way. Yeah, Dalton's awesome to be around. Uh, I'll tell you a story from Friday where he set the school record. Um, he, we have two jerseys. We have a Navy jersey and a white jersey. And before each meet, we say, hey, we're going Navy, we're going white. Um, at, at the CAAs, we're going to get wear white on the first day, and, and we're going with Navy on the second day. Uh, Dalton didn't have a white jersey. He had two Navy jerseys. <laughs> so about 15 minutes before we're supposed to leave, uh, and we had, we had talked about this the day before, but I went down to the storage room. Got him a white jersey and said, hey, and then gave me the Navy jersey and, you know, and then goes out and sets a school record. Um, that's kind of Dalton, you know, and and uh, he was wearing some socks some wool red socks. Definitely not like athletic socks at all. <laughs> and I, I said, nice socks, man. You know, he's like, oh, I put these on yesterday. As in Thursday, he's jumping on Friday. So he's wearing these like old red wool socks. Um no, he, he kind of keeps gotta be working. He, he keeps things loose and fun. And in terms of recruiting, Dalton, he was he was very good. We hosted a high school invitational my first year here, and he and his high school program came to the invitational and he won. And that was really the first time I had seen him. I had talked with uh, our former pole vault coach Craig Van Leeuwen about Dalton, and I knew he was very good. And then he came in for his official visit. And we were just super impressed. We said, we, we, we got to get this guy. He's a difference maker. We, ha- we have to get him. As, as I say, he rings the bell, you know. Right. And so, and he's done that, uh, you know, every time, you know, every time he's, you know, competed and, and been put in a stressful situation, you know, he's always been there for the team. He really does put the team first. And it's great to see him doing well, but, but he's an even better leader. He, he's just a really good guy. So he, he was telling us about <clears throat> getting everybody kind of get a clap going and, you know, I I listened to him. I was like, okay. And then I went and found it on on Instagram, um, and it's awesome. I mean, he really does get the entire place. People who people he's competing against that the whole place is going nuts. And then he goes and 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 hits the mark, and the whole place goes crazy. And it, it's just like, wow. You know, he's well liked. You know, that 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 pole vault community is a close knit community. It's such a, a niche thing, right? And so. Yeah, he's he's a popular figure in that community of, of pole vaulters, and you know I think it's even helped us with recruiting. Like, oh, I know Dalton, I know Dalton. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, he's got he's got a pretty good following as well on on uh, Twitter. So, you know, we've already, or excuse me, Instagram, we've already um, spoken kind of off air about it, but we, we need to get a, a women's track and field athlete or cross country athlete on uh on hawk talk and then you know before the outdoor season or during the outdoor season so once again we are going to put the burden on your shoulders to find <laughs> gary and i somebody who's out of this world interesting like tennessee and dalton have been um which you know i don't even know if possible i when we interviewed dalton i was like okay i mean he's not gonna be better than tennessee and i was like man he's he's right there yeah. he's as good the, the, his his personality his backstory dalton f- does tattoos too 
He has a tattoo gun. <laughs> so if you need a tattoo, <laughs> that's I, can, I can. I know a guy. We're gonna have to. Just, I, you know, that's really interesting. Um, but we are. We have already talked about trying to get him out into the getting out and, and doing maybe doing a video feature on him with the pottery. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He know, was talking about that Friday. He did some stuff before the meet. <laughs> Bring him down a potter's wheel down to the championships. Get him relaxed. Get him spinning some, you know, spinning some bowls or whatever it is, vases, and uh, get him to jump. But he, but he's been great, and and your guys have been great. This probably is really as as much of a loaded question for a track and field coach as any coach. But uh, you've been at Monmouth for a number of years now, and and been through a lot of winning, a lot of success. Is there? Is there a moment, is there a top moment that you can pinpoint from from your time here at Monmouth that you can look at and say that was really awesome, um, whether it's championship or individual accomplishment or, or something like that? You know, there have been several, and that's just been so amazing that, you know, we've had success in all of the seasons, cross-country, indoor, and outdoor. <clears throat> uh, just looking back on last year alone, you know, uh, just Evan Nadrowski and his performance at the national championships, yeah, finishing yep. 11th in the javelin. That was just so wonderful to watch. Uh, going back to the indoor championships um, where the, the women went one, two, three, four in the 800 and both four by eights breaking the conference record and, and obviously winning those championships. And I think that was last year that we hadn't had an indoor season in a, in a couple of years. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that, I thought that was really special. And then going back to last cross country season, having the first ever national qualifier in cross country, that's a big deal. Uh, that's really, really hard to do. So when Sammy Reagan Clint did that, that mm-hmm. was, that was really tremendous. And, and also at the NCAA regional meet in cross country, both teams uh, performing better than, than we ever had. So th- those were some huge highlights. But I, I think really the highlights are just the working with the student-athletes themselves and, and the relationships and seeing them grow as people over the course of time, seeing them in their low points, and then watching them you know get through those struggles and then go on and have success. Because there's nobody on this team that is having success that hasn't gone through some tremendous low points. And we have that right now. I mean, even Dalton, who we just talked about, you know, he just set the school record. But, you know, the weekend before, he no-hided, mm-hmm. you know. So that there's a lot of that that goes on. You, you don't see the lows, but you see the highs. Everyone who's doing really, really well right now uh, probably has had some, uh, especially with all the COVID stuff that happened o- over the course of a year and a half. But so many of them have, you know, had some some really – tough challenges that they've overcome and now are having tremendous success. I got a recruiting question for you. Obviously you can look at a time, right? In a race or a height in a field event or, you know, whatever length. Uh, But you have to be able to project. And this is something that all of our coaches do. You have to be able to project. Does this athlete have the ability to get better? Right? Because the time that they're walking out uh, as a senior or junior in high school is not getting it done in the CAA or in the NCAA. What indicators do you use to, to, to figure out, hey, th- this person's kind of peaked at 16, 17, or no, we can get more out of them, or they can get more out of themselves? Yeah, so, you know, 
and that's a great question, and we don't always get it right. right. And then sometimes no coach does in any we'll, sport. We'll we'll just say, yeah, you know, we'll we'll take this kid, and we're not super excited about it. And then they end up being a superstar. So we have all kinds of standards, sort of a sort of a, a full scholarship standard, maybe a, a medium scholarship, smaller scholarship, and walk on standard. And you know, so we take each athlete. We sort of where where do they fall into the spectrum here, and you know. What do we see in terms of do they have a tremendous amount of room for improvement? Number one, and we say this in every single recruiting talk, it's up to you. You know, you got to like track. And I say that with every single recruit. Number one, if you want to be successful here, you've got to like to run. You got to like to jump. You got to like to throw. You got to like the weight room. You got to like hard work. And if you do, you will get better with our facilities and our coaching staff and all the great resources we have here at Monmouth. But if you don't, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) And I think that's true of every sport. So if you're a football player and you don't really enjoy playing football at the college level, you're going to get exposed very quickly. Same with basketball, baseball, all, all, all the sports, right? And so the number one thing is, I don't want to say a track nerd, but are they in to track? Talent is not enough. You got to be into it. So that's that's the number one thing. But we do also look at things like, because this happens in track and field. Uh, we just got a recruit the other day. He's only done track. This is his second year. He's a senior. He's only done it for two years. They play other sports, and mm-hmm. maybe something happens in that other sport, and they either they either quit that team or get cut from that team, and they gravitate towards track, and all of a sudden they're really good. But the question with that kid, and we had this conversation, do you like doing this? It's not just something fun you did to have something to do after school. Do you enjoy going out and running intervals? Do you enjoy hitting the weight room and and working hard? Um, You know, what's their high school situation like? Do they come from a large high school where there's 17 coaches and, and everything is given to them? Or do they come from maybe a, a smaller program, not a lot of resources, and they're doing really well despite mm-hmm. all the things around them? Some people are doing well with every resource, and some people are doing well despite what's going on. So we look at that, and that's you know part of the decision-making process. And then you know, it's, it's just kind of boils down to how have they done during the championship portion of the season, too. Hey, when this kid got to the state meet or when this kid went to Nike Nationals or New Balance Nationals, or boy, they really performed at a top level when it mattered the most. So we, we take a look at that, too. When, when it was on the line, they got it done. Right. So we, we look at all those factors. But at the end of the day, and like w- what we talk about with all the recruits is you got to love track. you got to love running, jumping, or throwing. And if you do, we will, we will help you get better mm-hmm. for sure. I think that's kind of proven out, right? Over 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 the years, you guys have had student athletes that have improved and and uh, and had success coming from, like you said, maybe a smaller program or, or or what have you. Is there is there? I'd like to piggyback off that. I guess is there a student athlete you can think of off the top of your head? And I don't want to put anybody down in the recruiting process, but somebody that came in that was at one level that really by the time they left, you were like, wow, I can't I can't believe or look how much work they put in to get to, you know, being a conference champion or or being even not even a conference champion, a, a higher level than than you thought maybe they were when they came out of high school. Gosh, there's there's so many of those. Um, I, I'm I'm trying to think of just one off the top of my head, um, and 
I guess there's so many that I, I don't even know if I can really. Which means that your staff out. has done a good job, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. And, and we've had them in all event areas. Um, gosh, you know, Brandon Muir, we've had a lot of good sprinters here. And Brandon Muir set our school record in, in the 100 meter dash. He was very good in high school, but hey, this guy's going to come in and, and smash your uh, 100 meter dash record. You know, I don't know if we exactly predicted that. We knew he'd be good. Right. But Brandon Muir is also really into track and he puts the work in. You know, so there you go. Uh, so there's one guy, but like literally, there's hundreds of them. And um, just looking back at at my career, honestly, a lot of the best people that I have coached came in as walk-ons or very small scholarship kids who just had that work ethic and had that desire, and they went on and, and did great things. It, you know, it's I don't hate to compare it to other sports, but like a kid like that has opportunities at this level, right? Like if you're if you're a football player that is a walk-on, like you may never get a chance to get into a game, but based on, you know, you have weekends where you go to two different meets or there are opportunities for a student athlete like that, a lower scholarship or a walk-on to have a chance to be like, oh, wow, look what he did this weekend, look what she did this weekend, um, which I think is probably a unique part of your sport, right? That yeah. There is opportunities there. And, you know, I have three children. They're all kind of in the youth sports world, right? Well, only one kid plays quarterback, you know. Yeah. Maybe there's a backup, you know. Uh, there's only one goalie, you know, in, in soccer, and and uh, only five can play on the basketball court at one time. Mm-hmm. But in our sport, just adding another good person into the mix, you know, doesn't necessarily have to hurt your game, you know. In fact, it could really improve right. it. Make you better. It makes you better. Okay, here's another person that can help push me. You could be the number one runner on the cross-country team, but – you know, the next year and you get better, but you bring in somebody else that can beat you. And now, Hey, I'm going to just try to keep up with them. And that, yeah, I don't think there's typically hard feelings with that, but you know, it should just really motivate you and push you to, uh, to go to the next level. But yeah, our, our sport is interesting like that because, you know, if you have, I, I think one of my recruiting principles, if you have three good triple jumpers, and you don't really need another good triple jump. But a good triple jumper comes along, I'm going to have four good triple jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know? Right. And so the dynamic of the team can look a little different. You know, one year you really dominated the field events, and that's how you won the meet. The next year, boy, you really dominated in these areas, and that's how you won the meet. You know, I, I look at the University of Florida. They won the national championship last year outdoors, but they did it in totally different ways. You know, totally different sort of teams. And that can be true of track and field. There isn't necessarily one recipe of winning. You know, there's 39 points available in each event. We're going to try to get them as many as we can. I don't really care where they come from. Right. And then hopefully at the end, we're near the top or at the top. And I think that's kind of the fun part, part about it is that your team could look so much different from year to year. You know, I don't know if... I mean, there are definitely, there's comparisons to other sports, but not, I mean, it's not the same. I think that, um, you know, you, like you said, you can have, you can be really good in, in, in jumps and then one year and then, oh, we got a couple guys leaving, graduated, whatever. Well, looks like we had an opportunity to get some really good middle distance kids and now we're going to, we're going to get our points there. So that does definitely make it a lot of fun. Uh, you mentioned family before, and, and one thing I definitely want to bring up on this podcast is I don't know if there are coaches who work longer throughout the season than college cross-country track and field coaches. I mean, you guys come in like the last weekend of August, starting with cross-country, 
And then if you're successful or if you have kids in, in the world juniors, kids play athletes in the world juniors, that's June. I mean, that's 10 months. And I don't care what any coach says. There's no other coach that works 10 months like that. Yeah, they're out recruiting. They have, you know, football, spring practice. They have off-season spring practice and everything else. But that is, that's a straight grind. Um, and for somebody who's got a family with younger kids on the younger age, uh, you know, how do you balance that? Obviously, your wife balances a, a, a large portion of that. Um, she's a saint. <laughs> but how do you balance that and, and prevent burnout and stuff? And Yeah, you know, and, and that's a really good question, and that's something that I think for me personally I've gotten better at over the years, learning that I can't go recruit at every meet. I, I, I can't be at, um, you know, every practice that's going on throughout the days and throughout the weeks. But I think throughout time and as you get a little bit older, you learn ways and and tricks, I guess, of involving your family with the team. You know, your wife and kids come to the meet. Uh, there's a good chance, you know, even today, I'm going to have two kids, two of my children at my practice today, and they love being around the team. Mm -hmm. So you have to come up with methods of involving your team uh, with your, your, you know, your personal life and your professional life mm -hmm. and those kind of strategies, which when I was younger, I definitely didn't know. And I do think you try to find mentors and ask them, how do you balance life as both a parent and uh, a successful coach? Cause you're right. You know, cross country, literally it goes right into indoor mm -hmm. and indoor and outdoor overlap. There will be people <laughs> competing in outdoor track meets in two weeks. You know, <laughs> right. basically as soon as it, the calendar hits March, Outdoor track starts now. We don't start that early. And again, that's that's part of just learning over time. We could start competing in mid-March or March 10th or something like that. But I say, no, I need a little bit of downtime. But also, so do our student-athletes. Right. You know, so I kind of put myself in their shoes. And I. that's one thing when you talk about scheduling, you know, you, you try to find those balances too. You know, you don't schedule uh, every single meet on the road, you know, you try to have some home meets, you try to have some local meets, um, you, you take a weekend, and, hey, this weekend, um, I'm going to be gone for two nights, but then the next two weekends, hey, we're home or, or close to home or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, we do a lot of like Sunday morning practices, but not maybe not every Sunday we have that practice. So, you know, you just work over time to find strategies uh, to be able to, to really maximize both uh, but I will tell you, it is a challenge, and, and you know there are a lot of track coaches that, that do go through burnout. I will tell you that I think it it gets more challenging <clears throat> as the year goes on, as in cross-country is not that bad. You only race every other weekend. Uh, a lot of the meets are fairly local, and you know it's just not too bad. Right, it's a couple-hour day. Yeah, a couple-hour day. There's race two day. races. You know, Indoor is a little bit more challenging, but... At least most of the meets are one day, a few two days, but most of the meets are one day. The challenging part is outdoor. Right. You've been you know, doing it for outdoors tough. seven months now, six Out, months. And every meet is two days, right. if not three. Your regional meet is four. Your national meet is four days. And it's, it's a long time. Plus, you add in the component of the weather. And mm -hmm. so that is – outdoor is the challenging season. There, you, you really kind of feel like – uh, I don't have as much control uh, dur during <laughs> during this time, and you know that you add in the two longer throws, and and that 
that just makes right. the meat longer. You know, right. there's plenty of days where the sun is setting and we're we're wrapping up uh, some throws at the Monmouth season opener. Right, and you know, though some of those throws or a distance race will be on day one, and then you know the rest of the meat is on day two. That's very common, and uh, we do that at our home meet. And again, that's that's challenging. Uh, it's challenging for your staff and and you know just the logistics of planning all that. that that's why I say like outdoor things do get a little bit more challenging. Now, I like outdoor maybe the best, the second half of it. Like there's nothing better than, you know, like track in May and on a warm day and it's nice outside. Sure. Um, maybe you're getting to the end of the meet and, and a few things are under the lights, like a shot put under the lights or a distance race under the lights, or you know, th- relays and things like that. That is, I mean, there's nothing better. It's super exciting. Uh, but it, 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 you go through some trials and tribulations to get there. Sure. I think dive into some some fun things with Coach Nelson here. Chris. Yeah, I got a couple queued up. It's, this is your uh, this is this is your segment. I'll let you roll. The, the nonsense portion. Now, uh, yeah. So we like to wrap up the end of the interviews with a little get to know you. You know, sure. Get to know Coach Nelson. So so one just because I I shared a movie with my kids last night. That's probably like top five, maybe top three. Uh, what do the top? What are your top three movies? Oh man, that's a that's a that's a really good question. Um, we won't hold you this for the end of time, but off the top of your head, I'm just going to go off the top of my head. I'm going to start off with goodwill hunting. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start it with that one. And most of these are going to be from like the later nineties or early 2000 period. Sure. But we're going to say, we got to, we're going to go with the big Lebowski. Oh yes. In there. That's top. So good. Top three right there for me. And we're going to go with, um, probably like Braveheart in there. Okay. Yeah. All right, very good. Those are th- absolutely really ones. good. That's a solid trio. Uh, I made my kids, and I don't want to say made. I made them watch The Burbs last night. Oh yeah, with Tom Hanks, and uh, it's just one of my favorite movies. Really good of all movie. times. Uh, my son really liked it. My youngest daughter was a little confused, but she liked it. And my oldest daughter seemed like she's fourteen, so nothing's cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Uh, so, uh, but but that was but that got me thinking about your top three. Uh, one other one I have, and then Gary can take the last one. Is so you moved out from the Midwest. Uh, if let's say I I knew you from the Midwest and I was coming out to to visit, what are three places that you're telling me I got to go eat while I'm here? A week long vacation on the Jersey Shore. You're on the shore. What are three places that that I got to go? Well, so one thing for sure that. I, I think is better here is your your bagel sandwiches. Okay. The the bagel sandwiches are delish out here. So um, I just have a couple of local spots that we go to. I go to Town Bagel in Eaton Town, an mm-hmm. amazing bagel there uh, in Oakhurst, right right near my house, and those are wonderful. Uh, so the bagel sandwiches are great. Um, I really like the Turning Point. Okay. Yeah. So like as a brunch place, if if family comes out to visit, uh, we. We'll typically go Bring to the turning point. To go to the turning point, um, and I, I guess if, if uh, just where do we take people when they have come to visit us? We go to Pete and Elda's, and I try to do the pizza challenge thing. Mm-hmm. Where I eat a double extra large, <laughs> and I get the t-shirt. I've done it three times, so <laughs> I, I guess yeah. There you, you know, go. Get some thin crust, and and you know if you're not going for the t-shirt, get some wings. But yeah. I think usually if you're going for the t-shirt, you just you. You're focused on now. Do you are you folding slices together? Definitely, that's and the I, move, I right? Think, and honestly, I think I'm going to retire from the challenge. I think I've done it enough. <laughs> three t-shirts, three is shirts, enough. t-shirts is enough. Which now my kid just uses like night shirts. That they wear <laughs> right. Because the they only give you an extra large. So 
Um, yeah, we're we're gonna just move in. I haven't. I don't think I've had the wings because I'm always trying to do the challenge. So I'd sure. like to enjoy some of their other, you know, the local fare. The the wings there are very good. I don't think I've ever had the wings. They're good. I also I've never done the pizza challenge. But really, yeah, no, you've been done. here this long and never. Yeah. Never oh, we, maybe we got to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, I could obviously do it. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's not crazy difficult. I mean, talking to two people here, that. Right. I mean, not for me at <laughs> it, all. But it, it's challenging. I I think uh, you know. Do you go with just straight cheese? That's yeah, a little easier so. if you get pepperoni yeah. or sausage on top. That definitely makes it a little bit. Sure. sure. But you want a little flavor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever been brave enough to do it with a topping. Like I, I I'd be afraid. I mean, I would force it down and probably puke it up all over in the <laughs> parking lot. But, uh, I mean, there was times when we were younger, and I, you know, my kids listen to this podcast sometimes, but. I mean, we would drink like pitchers of beer while we did it, which is insane. <laughs> I mean, that was when I was like 22. There's no way I can do that now. But PNL, those are three great places. Turning Point, yeah. tons of our coaches take recruits uh, to Turning Point, and they're opening up. They're all over there. There's, there's one. They're building one right up the street from my house. So that, that and a Chick Fil A and a Wawa. Yeah, and, on and, that corner of deal over yeah, there. That's that's right near where I live. And so that's the other thing too is Wawa has yeah. has been phenomenal. Gary's and a big quick check. Oh, quick check. You quick check. Okay, that's I don't judge. I'm actually uh, a sheets guy, but there's none uh, of those yeah, around there's here. There's no sheets here. So yeah, I've I've loved uh, Wawa. It's just you know can't get enough of it. Coming, you talk about the Midwest. Like that's something that just doesn't exist out there. The guy from relatives come from the Midwest, and they're like, well, you go here and get a sandwich. Like it's a gas station. I'm like, no, it's like, a, but, but it's, it's not a good really sandwich. right. Did <laughs> right. like, you get mashed potatoes? I'm like, yeah, you could. <laughs> I asked uh, one of my assistants. I was picking up a relative at the Philadelphia airport, and I was like, okay, when we're in, after I pick him up, let's go out and get a Philly cheesesteak, right? And uh, I said, this was one of my assistants. I said, where do you think I should go to get a Philly cheesesteak? And and he did not hesitate. He's like, just go to Wawa. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going to the gas station, but you know. Right. But right. meaning, like, you couldn't get a great you Philly cheesesteak at yeah. Wawa. I, I, I'm going to throw out one of our sponsors for a Philly cheesesteak, and Gary turned me on to it. Mike's Subs makes a good Philly cheesesteak. A yeah. good Philly cheesesteak. And I, was, I wasn't shocked, but I was like, no, this is a really good cheesesteak. Like, it was present, present surprise. Pleasant surprise. Damn. There you go. Get it out. It's Monday. Um, I'll just wrap it up with, with one. Uh, obviously, you've been... In the track and field community for a long time, you've you've coached and competed and all that. What's one event you never competed in that you always wanted to, or that you would love to to try once? Man, I mean, I, I could say the pole vault. You know, going back to the <laughs> Dalton conversations would be, um, gosh, it, it it would just be so cool that you know you're running down the runway, you you have a fiberglass pole in your hands and. You just springs you up in the air. It's terrifying to me. Twenty <laughs> feet in the air. You know, it's just something that uh, I just don't think I'm capable of doing. And uh, to 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 have that ability, have the athleticism to do the pole vault, that would be pretty awesome. So, uh, but you know, I, I always just look at those athletes and and I'm just like, wow, you know, I, I could never do anything like that. Everything else, I've kind of given a, a go at it a little bit, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I've never done the hammer throw. <laughs> um, and that one is definitely a very cool event too. So, but yeah, there's, there's always something special about the pole vault. Uh, the pole vault can be the most high maintenance uh, event too. You know, when you think about traveling uh, across the country, how do you, how do you, bringing all the poles. How do you bring your poles, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you fly Southwest, you know, they, they'll fly your poles, but if you fly another airline, they might not. And there's all kinds of horror stories of, you know, getting to your destination and your poles are sawed in half by security or something like that. Oh. And that's happened like more than you'd think. 
And uh, so that's always uh, a fear. Is that a thing that certain airlines won't fly them, but other ones will? Yeah, yeah, wow. that's definitely a thing. Or, or you know, South Southwest is just like, oh yeah, pull up poles, bring them. You know, and then other that's airlines, niche. you yeah. you know, they'll they'll look Except at them like Christmas. you know, you're, you're trying to smuggle something on to the plane, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, they they'll, they charge you five hundred dollars just to to bring the poles on with you. But uh, yeah, that's that's always a unique challenge too, traveling with pull up poles. Yeah, because uh, Dalton told us too, like he's let other people like share his pole vault. Yeah, like, you know, again, it's a unique community, and that's rare. But if somebody shows up and their poles got lost, or they couldn't bring them for some reason, or they got damaged, you know, during transit, you know, it's like, hey, man, uh, we're about the same, you know, height, weight, about the, we're go- shooting for the same bars. You know, could I, could I borrow your poles? Yeah, you know, that that definitely goes on. That's pretty cool. I was, I was, I should have known this, but I was shocked to find out that like there's different, it's like a, it's like a golf club, right? There's different lengths, there's different thicknesses, there's different, different stiffnesses uh, and all those things affect and, and you might have a number of different ones with you depending on how you're jumping. Dalton alone will bring six poles (laughs) to to the meet. Yeah. We'll, we'll have four uh, cases of pole vault poles going to the meet, two for the men, two for the women. And, and they will change poles throughout the competition. As the bar goes up, they will get a a uh, a different pole. Right. So, well, coach, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, rooting on the Hawks in their first CAA indoor. I- I'm going to be kind of glued to the live live um, live stats. I guess it's live events. Uh, tickets are on sale and for those of you going down. I'm sure there'll be some parents going down. Uh, Virginia Beach Sports Center in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, yep. 22nd, 23rd. I forgot today was the 20th. 22nd, 23rd. Uh, best of luck this weekend. Thank you for taking the time. We, we know you have a lot to prepare for, and uh, we've just eaten up an hour of your time, but we, we, uh, we really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. You know what time it is. It's time for Edison Heating and Cooling, the spot. Edison Heating and Cooling provides full HVAC services to businesses and residents in central New Jersey. Visit edisonhvac.com to schedule your repair or installation today. I mean, honestly, I'm looking into some uh, energy efficient options, not heating and cooling, but there are lots of rebates out there. So don't uh, don't just burn your money up. You should uh, be looking into going a little greener and there's uh, lots of government incentives for that and who better to call than edison hvac you're listening to this podcast you're a fan of the show uh you should be uh supporting our sponsors anyway gary i was pretty good with with mike nelson i knew he'd be great yeah awesome i feel like we could have talked to him for another hour about stuff we couldn't even kind of even said it when we kind of got off the air like he was trying to get talk about every position, not position, but every event yeah, that he hard. could because it's, it's hard. There's so many, but really looking forward to them competing down there in the CAA. Yeah, I'm excited for the for the weekend. I'll be down at the the championships. I got a lot. We got a lot of sports this week down in. Yeah, in like, can we go through what so. what your so people know what kind of um, dedication to Monmouth University you and the rest of the crew have? Yeah. Uh, so this who's week, going down and what are we doing? We this got week? Uh, we got myself. We got Mark Mormon. We got Ryan Schwager. We got Brady Weaver. They all serve different roles in our communications and uh, digital media department, video and such. Um, but we'll be going down to, to Virginia, where in the 
Virginia area within, I think, about a 30-minute radius, um, we will have the indoor CAA championships, track and field. We'll have the swimming championships. And men's basketball will play Thursday night at Hampton and Saturday afternoon at William & Mary, both in the state of Virginia, obviously. So um, Monmouth Athletics taking over Virginia this week. And uh, it works out that we can go down. And I'm excited about about something like this because it's an opportunity for us to showcase not only our men's basketball team, but our track and field and our swimming programs from a social media, from a content, from a video perspective that uh, I'm excited to highlight these kids because they work really hard and, and – they deserve, you know, all, all the coverage that we're going to be able to provide them. So I'm looking forward to. Uh, I, I don't know how much overall I'll have directly in it. I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, um, I think I'll be more of like a driver and a liaison. Mm. But uh, but I'm going to watch and I'm going to you know shoot some video maybe and and um, photography and, and make sure everything's up to up to snuff and and really looking forward to watching these kids compete and our student athletes hopefully um, winning winning some CAA championships this week. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Um, we have not, you know, obviously the winter sports have not competed yet in the CAA championship, so it's it's really great to have swimming and uh, track and field down there. Um, speaking of one of our swimmers, Alexandra Ho, one uh, was our nominee for National Girls and Women's Sports Day, and she was honored up uh, this past week up at Seton Hall in a, in a really nice um, event that they put on every year. Uh, so congratulations to her, and she will be a key component to uh, Coach Nunnally's team down there in Virginia Beach. So make sure you're following us on social. You know, the the further down the line we get here, uh, the days of writing long releases and sending those out and the press picking them up, whatever press still exists, uh, are kind of over. So you, you got to get on Twitter. You got to get on Instagram. That's where we do most of our damage, so to speak. And uh, you're going to get a lot of good content on both of those. Um, follow those accounts all weekend long. Of course, we've got men's basketball trying to rebound from a little bit of a dip uh, as we head into the uh, the CAA tournament. For the, on the men's side, we'll be down in Washington, D.C. Uh, a few days later on the women's side, we'll be up at Towson. If you are going, please call the Mammoth box office. I don't know if you guys understand the way this works. Maybe you don't. We probably should have put this out a little bit earlier. But we are absolutely, as a department, required to buy X amount of hundreds of tickets for these events. And um, as our fans, we have them all in one section. So if you buy them from us, we do not upcharge. You're, you're paying the same amount of money that you pay from the CAA. Uh, but you are doing two things. One, you are helping us recover the money we've already laid out to the CAA. And two, you can ensure that you will be sitting near... Um, other Hawks fans. So if you are thinking of going down to DC or, or, or down to Towson, uh, look us up, call uh, the box office here at Monmouth university, uh, speak to Benny Kanzler, uh, or any number of the other people who work in that area and, um, and get your tickets directly from us. Uh, that's, that's our pitch for the, for that portion. Spring sports underway. Like we talked about earlier, always, Getting earlier, um, women's cross open up with a win against George Mason. A nice, nice three win. straight home games. Um, then a so far. little bit of a tricky scenario this weekend. They had to um, play Navy, and, and there was some shenanigans involved with um, just gas leak. A gas leak, and they had to play on two different fields. But they did get the game in. Unfortunately, they uh, a loss. Um, but yeah, opening up with a lot of a lot of home games in February for women's across and a really competitive schedule. 
It, it's we've got a lot of good teams on that schedule. Men's lacrosse opened up at Princeton, number four team in the country. Princeton's very good. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I'm looking forward to our men's lacrosse season in the CA because I know it's a really good lacrosse league, and obviously you have some the, the Long Island teams and etc. Um, but Princeton is is a premier lacrosse program. Um, so I know men's lacrosse home tomorrow um, against NJIT. So mm-hmm. looking for a bounce back effort. Two o'clock. Um, looking for a bounce back effort at home against a, an, an NJIT team that uh, I know we've played in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't so. think they've ever beaten us. So let's keep that going. Yeah, I'm, let's I'm, get to one on one in the season. Um, tough, tough start for softball. This is a, just a tough time of year for baseball softball because you're going down south and you're traveling and and. Those teams have been on the field for months, and you mm-hmm. haven't been on the field at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so a tough start for baseball and softball this weekend. Um, softball started last weekend with um, a rescheduled game here in Jersey, and then they went down to um, down south this weekend. And baseball started at FAU. Um, some some solid individual performances on on the baseball side of things, but FAU is a really really good conference USA team. Um, always a good weekend for us down there uh, to get our kids down to Boca and get on the field and, and practice a little bit, but um, have our annual carry of the weekend this weekend down in Cary, North Carolina. So that is a tradition unlike any other. It is a tradition unlike any other. We will play Penn State. Um, Speaking we've had of, a lot of success against Penn State. Mm. So Speaking of traditions, uh, one got brought back, uh, men's tennis beating Queens College. That is a tradition unlike any other. Unlike any other. Uh, and like uh, the Masters. That was the, literally the one bright spot of the weekend. It was a tough weekend to be a Hawk. A lot, a lot of losses here. Um, but we're going to turn that around this next weekend. You know, you got a couple home games on the women's side. Uh, got a uh, couple. Well, I guess that's a week from now. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm like jumping a week. Yeah. So we are away this weekend, and just about everything except for women's across on Saturday mm-hmm. has a game. Um, but everything else is pretty much away. Uh, am Am I correct in guessing that uh, FAU probably? Can practice? They practice probably all year round. All year round. It's, it's not like here where you just where you have to shut it down because of no, the weather. No, and it's awesome. I, I our guy, shout out Mark Brown, best photographer in the game. Um, He's the best. Just getting the pictures back from him, and it's like guys warming up with the sunset, palm trees, mm. everybody's in shorts. I'm like, man, I, it's actually been kind of. I, not I would, I would love to be able to get down to Boca for one of those early baseball weekends. It's just. Just well, a nice scene. You can get down to Boca for an early football weekend. I can. I'm looking forward to that as <laughs> as uh as well. We'll be down there in, in uh beginning of September. Beginning of September. See you soon, right. FAU. All um, right. So you want to dive into this? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna switch gears here, the moment that you've all been waiting for. Uh <laughs> so I, I feel like I, I have a, a pretty good grip on the world of collegiate television, at least from a mid major standpoint. I can't really speak to the millions of dollars that's raised at the highest level of college football. But for everything else, I think I have a pretty good background. Um, and, and I've been doing this a long time. Uh, the flow sports deal. People are, are very salty about for a number of reasons. And I'm going to agree. I don't know if it's going to get in touch and get me in trouble, but I'm going to agree with some of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, we can't just come on here and, and, Right, you have to see the the size of the argument. I, you know, I was trying to watch our women's lacrosse game. Maybe something I was trying to watch the other day. I think it was women's lacrosse, uh, and and on my app on my phone, I had a very very hard time. 
getting out of football, I could watch the the peewee national championships if I'd like, and getting into lacrosse. So so here's the good and the bad and the long and the short of it. And unfortunately, people are right when when it's not very customer friendly, right? They're set top stuff, they're over over the top box OTB. Their interfaces are terrible. Now I don't have Apple TV or a Roku. I think maybe they have one. Yeah, you have Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Do you watch Flow Sports on Apple TV? Uh, I watch it from my phone and then I I push it, cast it, push it to the TV, which is what I do with a lot of things. It's just easier for me to. I almost use my phone like a remote because mm-hmm. um, you can still use your phone and text and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's definitely something that I think is is people's complaint with flow is that it's hard to you know you can't just flip open the app and find where is the Mammoth versus Elon game. Oh, there it is. You have to right. sift through some some things and um, and the fact that there's no smart. TV app right. for it, which I, supposedly um, they're yeah. working on, right? So and that, it's hard to get, help. you know, it's hard to to get into some of these manufacturers. You know, like I have a Samsung TV at home, and ESPN's already on it, so I can just download that app and go right to that and watch a hundred games. And I totally understand that accessibility to it. Um, the other big gripe is quality, and this, with the exception of the way they run their commercials. Because we've had an issue a little bit with that, which no, no, nothing is perfect. With the exception of that, the quality comes down to the individual schools. The schools are the ones that are are putting these on. Um, and I have to say, at Monmouth University, something that was started by my department. And kind of now I've passed the baton on to you and you've passed that a little bit on to, to Andrew Kurtz. It has always quality has always been job number one, right? And that's when we had Eddie on all of our games, like having broadcasters that are non biased and, uh, you know, are knowledgeable, do pregame calls with other coaches, all those kind of things just make the broadcast better. And we've always really taken that as, as really serious. Uh, the other portion of it is we reinvest in our program. Uh, financially, so the money that that comes from that Flow Sports deal has is turned back into making sure that we have the best equipment, that we have, um, we are continuing to to hire professionals to help our equipment work well. We are, you know, doing training on different things. Uh, we are are learning from the best in the business that we can, so that when we deliver that to you, it is the best that we can. Now we still use almost, you know, the crew is ninety five percent students. There are going to be slip ups. They're students. They're learning. I watch NFL games where there's slip ups. They bite on a play action fake, and there's a pass thrown over the top, and we're staring at a running back getting tackled with no ball in his hands. Um, but from the quality standpoint, you can't kill flow sports. No, I think the the important thing, and this is. You know, we're educating, right? That's what we, we're yeah, here 100%. to do. And, and I know a lot of people that follow Mammoth Athletics and Mid-Major Athletics probably know this already, but had we still been on ESPN, had we still been in the MAC, or if there was a difference in whatever, you would still be seeing the same exact broadcast out of the Mammoth Digital Network that you're seeing on Flow Sports, with the exception of the graphics. That's the only difference that we can obviously can't use the ESPN graphics. We have our own graphics package that we've created, mm-hmm. which and, looks and pretty good. Looks great. We spent um, a decent amount of money on it, so that's the only the only difference. But you'd be watching the same camera angles, the same broadcasters, the same 
Andrew Kurtz would still be the producer. He'd still be the same student crew. Um, so it's not like, oh, now that mom is on Flow Sports, you're seeing a different product. It's the exact, especially for football and, and men's and women's basketball, mm-hmm. it's the exact same product that you would be getting. Other no. schools, I can't speak to how they right. go about things. There have been times where, like you said, I've tried to, to, to watch a game somewhere else and, and it's the production quality is not up to the standard that you would like it to be. And it's definitely a frustrating point. I think hopefully with moving forward with flow and now that you know that we're going to have another couple of years on flow sports for other, other schools can kind of follow. And I hate to make us the, you know, we're the best we are, but follow the model of reinvesting their money into better equipment and better talent and having their product be as good as, you know, some of the higher level ones in, in our league. And there's been some places we've gone this year where I thought their production was really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. And and let's not, well, let's put it this way. When we first got on ESPN in 2014, we would have a call weekly with just Mammoth where they would nitpick everything we did. Like everything. To the second. Everything we did. And while that was frustrating, we were one of the small schools on ESPN, and we were like, yeah, we got to get this right. You know, we have to get and, this and right. And that formed us, and fortunately, me, you, and, and Andrew have been here since then, so that's kind of formed us into the mindset of, like, this is how real TV works, and this right. is we got those tips at a time where I don't know if people are still getting those. Well, that's, and we still abide by a lot of those rulings and a lot of those parameters that's where i was going with this is that now what has happened and people i guess don't know this is that now that espn has started gobbling up all of these leagues uh the other thing that's happened is that disney is now like their parent company is now like whoa we got to cut back on some costs here with um with in, in terms of espn so uh the, the quality control and the people that they used to hire, they used to hire their, their old producers to be the quality control for the schools. They called them professors. Well, they've laid almost all those people off. So now it's the Wild West. So I've been on, I've watched plenty of ESPN broadcasts where I'm like, look at this crap. Yeah. It's the ESPN same ESPN plus, it's the same ESPN concept. three, it's whatever. It's the same concept. You could watch a bad broadcast on Flow. You could watch a bad broadcast on ESPN. Absolutely. A school produced bad broadcast. Let's not pretend. And some of these packagers are crap, too. Let's Don't not blame pre- it all on the school producers. Correct. Let's not pretend like we haven't complained about a Mac basketball broadcast on ESPN in the past. Oh, absolutely. As far as the quality, as far as the They still have people doing broadcasters. radio. They still have people putting radio. Radio. And I know that happens with Flow as well. Yeah. I get it. But let's not pretend like we haven't had Homer broadcasters, bad camera angles, poor replays. Two camera angles on a basketball know, game. Like, that, that stuff happens at the ESPN level, too, and... It's not regulated anymore, and I wish and we could never make it public, but, like, you should see some of the emails and calls we used to get back when we first started ESPN, like, mm-hmm. hey, at the twelve eighteen mark of the first half, <laughs> right. you cut onto this hero shot of Josh James. You probably should have cut off that about a second and a half sooner. I'm like, what? Right. What? That's the type of level <laughs> like, of detail we're by getting. By the time he gets across half court, you need to be off that hero shot, and he's two steps across half court by the time you come off it. I'm like... What? Yeah, like it's two seconds. Now it's, that's what we're nipping. Yeah, now it's and that's the, the stuff that we have tightened up so much right. based on those original conversations. It's the OK Corral now. 
Um, but so, so those, that's kind of addresses what I think are, are most of the complaints. Uh, people complain, you know, nine ninety nine a month, um, to, to watch your teams. That's a good rate that you can get through the CAA sign up. Uh, if you're really a Hawks fan or if, if you're even just a, a fan of one team, you know, you can sign up for three, three months and get off. Um, so that that's one thing is that they're already paying for ESPN plus as part of a Hulu Disney plus package, whatever. And then they have to pay extra. I understand that too. I don't want to be spending people's money. Uh, but the big thing is, is the benefit for, for the university and the students. Um, first of all, the money is, uh, let's say more than triple, probably quadruple by the end of the deal than ESPN will ever give you because ESPN's got the, got the, um, the attitude of, uh, you need us. We don't need you type of deal. Uh, and people are, I've seen, I've read the, the tweets out there. Oh, great. You know, so the schools are getting greedy. Well, for a school like Monmouth, it's not getting greedy. It's going to pay for our, you know, our, our video intern who's putting on that Wednesday after tomorrow, that Tuesday afternoon men's lacrosse game that we no, normally wouldn't be able to do in years past. We might have on YouTube one camera. Well, now it's going to be a little bit better. We'll have an announcer it goes to pay for those 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 broadcasters who are are not biased. You're not going to sign on and hear somebody getting more excited about a mammoth goal than a thousand goal. Um, it goes to pay for us to have uh, more cameras so that at a football or a basketball or even you know talking with Drew about baseball, you know we just put out an awesome center field camera. You know that's all paid through that flow deal. So it's not like we're making the money and you know it's going into our pockets and I'm walking around like Daddy Warbucks. Uh, paying for stuff because we have this flow deal. So, uh, yeah, so quadruple the money is a big deal for us. Now, the biggest thing, and I had some nudnik trying to argue with me on Twitter about it. I don't argue on Twitter. I'm a grown man. Um, the ability to put these games on linear television is something that we can never do before. And I don't. I, I feel pretty comfortable that I'm not going to get in trouble here. Um but we had, I had from the highest level of ESPN telling us that if a, if a small school was ever going to be able to put on a game on a linear network themselves, it was going to be Mammoth. You know, we, we were ready to go. We, we had two high-level producers pushing for us to be able to do that, put us on ESPN or, you know, in the Mac at ESPN, ESPN, ESPN U, not ESPN, ESPN U, ESPN News I would have taken. Um and that just never happened. It never happened. Uh, and for whatever reason. And I, I've only seen a handful of, of schools actually do it now. I think Harvard did it. Uh, Temple has done it. Uh, and then, of course, I think, you know, obviously when you get into the ACC networks or whatever, which I guess those are borderline linear to me. Um, but now our students are being able to to put games on SNY and uh, NBC Philly and um, – there might even be with this new deal, we might be able to step out a, cu a couple more miles, an extra seventy-five miles or fifty miles, to maybe include some other markets, uh, and one that's great exposure for our university, no matter what. Uh, but really, as much as I love the exposure for the university and the athletes, I love the exposure uh, that our students that work on these broadcasts are able to get, and that's just something that you were never getting with ESPN and and. I'll address the fact that some teams do get their stuff on on linear as well. I don't know what the deal with the Ivy League is. They seem to have some kind of control over ESPN. I don't know if 
every executive at, at ESPN has come from an Ivy League school or what. I don't know if it's because their donors obviously have giant rich, you know, their alumni and donors have big pockets. I don't know if that has something to do with it. So take the take the Ivy League out of it. All these other leagues have very limited amount of linear opportunities to put their games on outside of ESPN. And if they do, most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, it's because they had an existing deal. For instance, if we went out and signed a four-year deal with SNY saying we're going to put every Mammoth game on, and then all of a sudden the conference game, the conference we're in signs a deal with ESPN, well, ESPN can't trump that existing contract. But when that runs out, ESPN is going to have a say on how many linear games you can do. Uh, so that is a huge opportunity for us. And that number went from this year being 21 to next year being 40. We'll have the opportunity to put 40 broadcasts on. Which, if you do the math, that gets you way past your football and basketball, which means we'll have the opportunity to showcase student-athletes from other sports to be on linear television, which doesn't happen at a lot of places. And yeah, essentially it's 15 more. pretty unique. Uh, and, I, and listen, I get what you said before. Like, it's easy to have ESPN and it's one-stop shop. And, you, you know, the linear deal for us is still um, – it's awesome. It's, it's really – a lot of people have reached out to me like, hey, I was just flipping through and I saw Mammoth Football was playing Fordham, so I stopped and like was watching it on SNY. Like, they wouldn't have been right. on the ESPN app to right. watch that game. Going into FCS games, right. finding that game. No. So, so the, the linear thing is is really important, I think, for for us, and it's, it's a great opportunity. And the one thing I will also throw in here, and I'm not – listen, our relationship with ESPN was awesome. I was there from day one. Really good. You obviously were the catalyst. Um it, not very many bad things to say about ESPN. They treated us tremendously. The people were great. Um, they, they've been a major part to why we are where we are as a broadcast entity right now. Like They taught us so much about how to do it. You brought up the point about how we never had an opportunity to produce a linear game, and that was true. To, to kind of tie my role together here, I obviously work with men's basketball from a media relations standpoint, and I, part of that is dealing with television Crews, producers, and and talent. The CBS Sports Network deal. Oh, I forgot even to talk about that. Sorry. That that the CAA has that's only expanding now with this new deal is so robust. It's so complete, and they take it so seriously. And I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus from ESPN. I dealt with a lot of really good people there, a lot of really good broadcasters, but they do so many games that. It's hard to focus on a Mammoth Manhattan game on a Friday night when you have XYZ Thursday and XYZ Wednesday. And, you know, Doug Sherman was tremendous when he had the Mac package. He was great. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best broadcasters in the country as far as I'm concerned. Dealt with a lot of really good people through that um, through that deal. The CBS Sports Network production goes to such another level that, for me, it was it was eye-opening, like, they're asking me for things to use on their production that nobody's ever asked for. For hey, do you have a video of this person? Do you have photos of this? Hey, you're playing Towson on CBS Sports Network on Saturday, and Martin Luther King Day is on Monday. And we noticed going through your university that Martin Luther King once spoke on your campus. Do you have any pictures of that? Do you have anything from that we could use on the broadcast? That is, to me, such another step in their production that... ESPN, frankly, wasn't doing. And that doesn't mean ESPN was doing a bad job with these right. linear productions. They just had just so whole, much to do. It's just a whole other level of, you know, 
everybody talks to the head coach, right? King will talk to any of these guys. Um, you know, the broadcasters are thorough. But this year, one of the times was like, hey, we'd love to talk to King. But also, like, Jack Collins is playing really well. We'd like to talk to him, too. That never happened before. It was yeah. always King. And and King f- gives great information on those calls. But it's a different perspective when you get it from a student athlete and, and et cetera, et cetera. The other thing I'll say is they were doing this at a point where Monmouth basketball was really struggling. We had one win for the two games we played on CBS Sports Network, and that didn't matter at all. It was, right. we still want to highlight your kids. We want to highlight Jack Collins as one of the best rookies in the league. We want to highlight Martin Luther King Day. We want to highlight, hey, your staff has three North Carolina guys on it. We want to highlight that. Um, those productions, if you were to watch them, and I'm sure a lot of people did, highlight Monmouth in such a good light um, as a university and as obviously as an athletic department basketball program. So I think the CBS Sports Network package of the deal to get the women's championship game, women's basketball championship game on that network. That was never a thing previously yeah. with, yeah. with, um, with the Mac that that championship game was not on a linear network a number of years. So that's pretty cool. Um, that CBS sports network deal is, is awesome. Um, the people have been really good. The broadcasters have been really good. They are just top level, top class. And I think that, shines your league to to a point of of hey this is a, a big time network that's promoting your conference and never mind the fact that the most mid majors get a four or five game package on ESPN they get their championship game they usually get a one game on two and then the rest of the games on you or news um, this package on CBS is 24 games. Now, and that includes the women's championship, the men's championship, and the men's semi. So that's four games. There. That's 20 games during the regular season that that the 13, then 13 schools of of the CAA will be featured on CBS Sports. So, and, and once again, I don't want to ruin this for anybody, but you know what pays for that CBS Sports package? Flow Sports. The Flow Sports, the, the, the eight-figure Flow Sports contract pays for, for that, so the schools don't incur a cost out of pocket. I think the the overlying point here is, yes, it's not perfect. Flow is not perfect, and I don't think anybody would argue that. No, they got some stuff to work on. You know, I, I'm not. We're not sitting here as Monmouth like shills, like hey, our Flow Sports is the end all be all, and you guys are all stupid for thinking ESPN is good. That's not. That's not my. That's not our point. I just think that there's a lot of really good things that come with the Flow deal that are being overlooked because of the over. Overwhelming the user experience, the overwhelming sense of just wanting to, and right, you're talking about social media a lot of times, and it's it's an easy forum to say whatever you want, pop off, and and your keyboard warriors and all that. But <laughs> there, it, you know, there are things that flow needs to clean up, and, and I wouldn't ever say there's not. Um, but I think that's part of moving forward with this deal is like they're using the CAA as their prime entity, um, and I think. You need to point back at some of the schools, and I'm obviously not going to mention anybody by name, but you need to point back at some of the schools when you have a bad experience and say, hey, it's not Flow Sports. It's XYZ University who puts on this horrendous production. They need to be held accountable for that, and I think that's that's coming as well. Yep, definitely. Well, this is our longest episode by far because we just talked the last 20 minutes about Flow Sports, but I felt like it was important with the deal and some of the things I was reading, and and I've been telling people – to their faces and trying to educate. I had a great conversation with some of our board of trustees the other night and, and kind of educated them on some of it. And I think they're in a pretty good spot. So 
continue to support the Hawks. Uh, we're going to get out of here. Uh, it has been another great episode. Mike Nelson was awesome. Very, very much thankful for him for taking time out during a championship week. Uh, there's not a lot of people who would do that, uh, but he's a great guy and, he, and he's running a really good program. And uh, I think we could probably get one done next week. All the craziness will kind of be over this week. And then um, we're off to DC. Then we're off to DC for an unknown amount of time, uh, hopefully longer. Uh, crazier things have happened. You know, there's a couple times where we made. Uh, you know, Coach Rice gets those guys right and makes a run, and um, I think Coach Bog is going to be right there in the middle of the pack as well. So I uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, like, subscribe, tell your friends, retweet, get us out there. We're we're pushing on to 6,000 followers or 6,000 downloads soon, and we appreciate it. This has been a production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved. Hawk Talk is brought to you in part by the Monmouth Medical Center and RWJ Barnabas Health Facility and a recognized leader in patient safety and clinical quality. For more information about services close to you, visit rwjbh.org slash Let's be healthy together.